0: Willman is the exception. He doesn't drink, doesn't smoke, and's a saint. The rest of them, yeah. Pardon my French fuck those fuckers.
1: Hello and welcome to the Girls on the Boys, a podcast dedicated to analyzing the Amazon series, The Boys and the Spicy World of Soups and Stereotypes. I'm Jen Adams.
0: And I'm Rachel Reeves.
1: And today we are talking about season one, episode six, The Innocents. Yeah, I need to ask you, like, how are you feeling,
0: Jen? (laughs) Like, how are you feeling after this episode? Because this was a bit of a gut punch for me.
1: It was. It was a bit, you know, honestly, because a lot of this, like, I've, I think I've kind of experienced that gut punch a while ago and kind of forgot the impact of it. When you, because you texted me and you were like, this was really emotional. And yeah. I was like, but you texted me that before I rewatched it. And I was rewatching. It, and I was like, wow, it really is. So it just, it was. I don't know. I'm really excited to talk about it because it is a very emotional episode, you know? Yeah,
0: it was definitely a little heavy, but I i mean, I loved it for that because I'm mm-hmm. just, I mean, we even said like, like, there's no duds so far. Like every right. episode is delivering something new, something on a different level, something that's keeping me engaged and really just expanding and adding so much depth to this universe and these characters. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there was a lot going on here, a lot to process for sure.
1: Yeah. And I feel like when I was trying to think about what was happening in this episode, I was having a hard time thinking of a big moment, like the airplane or like the female yeah. coming back to life, because it's not really that kind of episode, but it's, right. it's a, uh, you know, and Corey and I used to kind of snarkily call them advancing the plot episodes, but I mm-hmm. feel like this is, this is really a character episode. Yes. Which is what I love. And we learned so much about everybody, good and bad. And I'm just <laughs> really, really excited to unpack it. But maybe I should ask, how are you feeling after this one?
0: Oh, I'm I'm good. I yeah, it was a lot to take in. And I was just like, oh gosh. Like, and I'm having some mixed feelings on some of these characters. Uh-huh. So yeah, definitely <laughs> excited to kind of talk about that because it's like, no, why are you doing that? I don't I don't want to feel this way, but I'm grateful to feel this way. Mm-hmm. And I thought a lot of these things, they were handled well and in some interesting ways.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I think we've kind of talked about a couple of overarching themes, but this is one of the episodes that I think really digs into the theme that there really is no black or white. There is yeah. no good or bad. Like, it's always more complicated than that. Um and yeah, it is a little bit of a gut punch. <laughs> but before we talk about this surprisingly emotional episode, let's check in with the newest season in a section we call Huey Cutie in the news.
0: Yeah, so filming for season four has wrapped. Woo-woo. And, you know, all the soups have left Toronto, which is where they were filming and returned to their homes. So now we just get to wait. Yeah. <laughs> Fun. <laughs> Cause, you know, everybody's in post-production limbo. So because there's not a lot to report, I thought I'd look up some light fun facts about today's episode, because who doesn't like fun facts? I love fun facts. I love fun facts. And in typical IMDb style, <laughs> some are good facts and some are garbage. You yep. know, let's see if you can tell the difference. <laughs> so here we go. Uh, the first one. Butcher asks Rainer for office space in Manhattan's Flatiron building the same landmark building where the boys have their office in the comics
1: Ooh, interesting yeah
0: i love that because i don't know a lot about the comics so thank you to whoever contributed that Mm -hmm. um so here's one the lettering for the logo of the mesmerizer is stylistically similar to the
1: lettering of law and (laughs) order (laughs) nice i think part of my brain caught that because i was a big (laughs) law and order fan have you watched a lot of law and order Oh, my God! it's a disgusting amount. It's, embarrassing, but it is, but it's so good and it's so addictive. Oh, yeah. And I would have watched a mesmer mesmer in order, you know. Oh, yeah, 100%. (laughs) Or Law and Order Mesmer Victims Unit, maybe. Yeah, Mesmer, yeah, Mesmer Victors. Mesmer Mesmer and Mesmer Intent. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) yeah, I like that, yeah. Mesmer Intent.
0: (laughs) Can't you just see him, like, with, like, Vincent D'Onofrio, and Mesmer just, like, keeps trying to read him, and he's like, no, 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 you're not getting
1: in this head, (laughs) like, just
0: constantly,
1: like, trying to sneak in. (laughs) and then he finally does it's just that grin from full metal jacket and he's like <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he just walks uh, I mean, out of
0: the like office door and just never comes back and then it's like that's right. it season's right. over. exactly
1: yeah
0: <laughs> um so this episode is called the innocence which apparently is the title of issues number 40 to 43 of the comics oh
1: interesting and i think we've said this in earlier episodes but if you are a fan or a devotee of the comics please reach out to us and just kind of let us know like we try to avoid spoilers with where we are in the chronology but i'm curious and that might be something we do dig into down the road yeah Eric Kripke,
0: a showrunner creator, tw- his Twitter avatar is a picture of the famous Bat Boy, a fictional creature who made numerous appearances in the American supermarket tabloid Weekly World News.
1: <laughs> huh, that creepy man. <laughs> He's an. I would. I would be really interested to hang out with him sometime. Just kind of pick his brain because i imagine there's some strange stuff in there you know (laughs)
0: yeah um and then i guess just in like some personal podcast news just want everybody to know that we have a we have a social media presence yay um so if you would like you can follow us on instagram and twitter at girls on the boys same same handle both places and that would be great we'll have can keep up on the show there and also just where we're at in the, with the episodes in the seasons and lots of other just fun boys content.
1: Well, that's right. Yeah. Um, we are talking a little bit off air, but the boys have a super fun social media presence. And that's and we like social media, too. So, you know, we would love to engage with you there. Yes. And I fought the good fight with Twitter to get into our account. (laughs) It took us like a week. I think, you know, we talked about there is no good and bad, but I feel like here yeah Okay. The necessary situation. evil i don't know but we're on there for now so that's yeah. true <laughs> yeah um all right well let's talk about the innocence so in a section we call the name of the game so today's episode is called the innocence and the description is in all caps super in america 2019 Bot studios genre reality starring homelander queen Maeve, black noir the deep a train starlight tara reed billy zane
0: <laughs> oh i love and that's that a,
1: i know i love these like really creative kind of off the wall descriptions of the episode and Man, I was expecting a little bit more of Tara Reid. I had completely forgotten she was a part of this and we've really just see her for like a second. Oh, a second.
0: Just yeah. in just total background cameo.
1: <laughs> exactly. I know, which I mean, I don't really need any more than that. I think I'm good, you know? Yeah. Her name's uh, doing a lot of the work there, you know.
0: That's true. Yep. Um, This episode was directed by Jennifer Pang and, hell yeah, our first non-guy director of the series. (laughs) You know, six episodes in, probably about time. Um, I love that. Mm. And Jennifer is an interesting director. She kind of came up through the indie film circuit a few of her early films. Feature films did really well at Sundance and South by Southwest. And that really kind of kickstarted her professional career and opened a lot of doors for her. So since then she's kept really busy and done really well directing shows like The Exorcist, uh not the Halloween mm-hmm. one, but the actual was it Gina Davis is in it? Yeah, which I actually oh that, yeah. Mm-hmm. First, I thought it was I thought that was a good show.
1: <laughs> I didn't um, watch it, but I'm gonna check it out now.
0: Oh, you should. Yeah. And then uh, she also directed some Riverdale, The Expanse, <gasps> yeah. Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Stargirl, and Resident Alien. So she d- definitely has lots of experience and not just experience, but experience with some superheroes and yeah. some universes quite similar to this, I think. So,
1: yeah. Yeah. They seem like kind of in the same wheelhouse, you know. Um, and River, <laughs> do you ever watch Riverdale or have you ever watched it?
0: You know, I haven't, but it's really funny because I listen. So there's a podcast, Page 7 podcast, mm-hmm. that's on the Last Podcast Network. And one of their little spinoff shows, they do like a recap of Riverdale. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and I have listened to like every episode of that mm-hmm. <laughs> but because it's so funny to hear them talk about it, but I've literally never seen an episode of Riverdale.
1: I watched the first couple of seasons, and it it was really fun, but I mean, it is just bonkers the amount of shit that goes down in in that town um but it's it's got a similar kind of feel to the boys in that it's really kind of like genre blending, mm-hmm. you know, although I feel like the boys is no shade to Riverdale like smarter writing, and I feel oh, like I so. the point what they're trying to do is a little loftier, but it's got I don't know it's i i could I can see the connective threads even if it's more just a feeling um also have to say i have been watching gossip girl <laughs> I and i am on episode or i'm on season two and it is killing me in the best way <laughs> to watch nate and to mm-hmm. see him be the deep and i'm like oh my gosh you are so funny like it's really making me appreciate him as like a comedic actor you know
0: yeah Oh, yeah. It's Gossip so Girl is an adventure. I'm excited for you. And it's terrible and garbage, but also amazing. <laughs>
1: and that cast is quite hot. So, Ooh, Yes, so hot. And yes, terrible and amazing and garbage. All <laughs> yeah. correct. And I would also use that to describe Overdale. I feel like, you know, the CW has, has a niche and, and they do that niche very well. Um, all right. Well, let's talk about the show. This podcast is actually based on, um, the boys (laughs) and in a section we call sup with the soups. So this is where we kind of recap what's been happening because another thing I'm realizing is a lot of shit goes down in these episodes, you know, Mm -hmm. like they are, they are packed. Um, so this is where we're going to recap what happened in the last episode and anything that's kind of, um, relevant to this episode. So, Starlight went to the Believe Expo. She bucked the system, refused to read bullshit talking points, and reported sexual assault on the convention stage in front of a live international audience. Oh, just that. No big oh. deal. But yeah, just that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Fine. We only talked for like, what, 45 minutes about that in our last <laughs> <Yeah>. episode? <laughs> uh, Huey blackmailed Ezekiel and found out that Samaritan's Embrace is a VOT backed program that ships Compound V to pediatric wards and creates baby soups. And when I say VOT backed not publicly VOT backed but mm. we feel like vot has got to have its fingers in it in some way, specifically Homelander.
0: I mean, it's called Compound V.
1: Exactly, yes. Mm
0: -hmm. (laughs) I would think VOT, V is for VOT. The V might be be short for VOT,
1: Yeah, not short for very. It's not a British corporation. (laughs) Um, And speaking of Homelander, um, after letting the plane crash into the ocean, he spun it into a reason that soup should be in the military. Maeve has a lot of feelings about this, understandingly, and she visits her ex-girlfriend, Elena, for some moral support. Although that doesn't go quite as either of them planned. Yeah. And then Frenchie gets burned. He lets the female out before Black Noir and the other soups can come and kill them all. And she, the female, sacrifices herself to save him from Black Noir. And then she comes back to life. And it's so exciting. Yay. And I'm also very excited that this is the last episode that I think I'll probably call her the female. Yes we know her name now so well speaking of okay let's talk about our bad boys i always have that song bad boys in my head when i go into that category but like
0: the donna summer one or like yeah
1: mm-hmm. like the cops I mean, theme song <laughs> oh no 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 the donna summer one yeah okay. from an episode of sex in the city is where i know it but yes um, <laughs> yes not not the although i do really like bad boys too that is a that Michael Bay baby. It's stupid, but it's <laughs> <Yeah>. good. <laughs> uh, um, all right. Well let's start with let's start with Homelander. Cause this is a big Homelander episode and we may go oh, yeah. in and out of talking about Homelander for several things, but let's talk about we start with what she, <laughs> I love Courtney our producer that we meet in this episode. Mm-hmm. Who shout out to Glow because she's also in Glow and that show is amazing. Um but we start with this commercial where Homelander is like salt of the earth. He's like pushing a child on a swing. And this is more like of all of the suits, but it just kind of encapsulates Where we are because we see just like an empty swing with the word translucent over it, and then (coughs) starlight relating to people, and it just it just cracks me
0: up. It's just all that PR garbage, you know. They're Mm -hmm. they're they're building up to this whole like soups in the military thing, right? So this is all just part of that campaign, and Mm -hmm. it's like so cheesy and so believable. It feels like a camp, like a political campaign ad, basically.
1: It really does. And it reminds me of like, I think it was around the 2012 Olympics when they would play um the girls gymnastics team and they would play some song from American Idol and it would make me cry <laughs> every single time. <laughs> and also I love gymnastics. And I think that the American women's gymnastics team is just fantastic. But it's that kind of thing. It's like the purpose of it is emotional manipulation. You yes. Know? Because it's not really selling anything other than the superheroes themselves. And so Homelander's part of this is it's like a birthday message or something. He's at this fake house that is essentially just pulled from the Superman set. Because it's where Superman grew up. It's like in Iowa. It's a farm. It's like there are paper airplanes. Or not paper airplanes. Model airplanes. Mm -hmm. And like his mom used to like play on the piano and it was just like as American Pie an origin story as you can get. Yeah. Because it's completely fake and so he sees a blue blanket on the bed and just loses it and fires poor Randy from set deck. Um, gosh. And we're not exactly sure what this trigger is yet but I think how are you feeling about Homelander in this episode because this is a, a deep one for him. It is. I mean,
0: there's nothing really redeeming about him in this episode. Like, yeah, it's interesting because, yeah, the plot is thickening around his origin story, which I'm very like, OK, this is exciting because, I mean, I didn't honestly know if it was all fake at first. Like, when they're mm-hmm. telling that and it's, like, showing the Little League pictures, it's like, oh, okay, maybe this is, like, I kind of fell for the propaganda, I guess. Oh, so I'm did like, I, Oh, yes. maybe this is where he's from. It's because um, we see,
1: we've seen Superman, you know? That's what we accept for that kind of hero, you know?
0: Yes, yes. And it's, you know, I didn't know, but then we kind of find out that it's like, oh, no, this is literally all fake. Like, this is all crafted. And then there's a line somewhere in there. I can't remember who says it, but just that, like... Homelander's history is like a black hole like there is none it's like wiped Mm -hmm. from everything like nobody actually knows anything about him other than what him and Va are putting out there and Mm -hmm. so that's very mysterious and also to me it feels like he's getting a little sloppy (laughs) because it's like I mean yeah they're a crew but like those are still people and he is just letting his guard down and showing a not very nice side of him in front of a lot of people it seems like and mm-hmm. it's like you know people talk like i don't know what is randy gonna say about you now like i don't know right i think he's assuming he's having a bad day
1: well and i wonder how tight a lid Vot keeps on that you know because i could imagine them making all of their employees sign like really extensive NDAs, you know? That's probably true. Yeah. Because it's like when um, a couple of episodes ago when <laughs> when he just did not give a shit that it was this lady's birthday, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I, it's like he does not see the people who work for him, I put that in air quotes, as like actual people that he needs to care about, you know? yeah um, but yeah he is making it very clear and it is very clear to everyone on set that this is bullshit too um mm-hmm. and he doesn't put up any kind of front he just gives this story he's a very good actor like he is selling this yes. my mom made me these baseball cakes um and then he just immediately dries it up and he's like all right we good we're moving yeah, on you got it all right we're done yeah <laughs> because it is completely fake and he even says like I've never even been to this house like this is all created by set design Um, and we find out a little bit the most we know about his origin story as of now and where this blue blanket came from it is um, a blanket that he had as a child so we see a picture of like probably two year old Homelander so cute this cute little toddler with this blue blanket in a completely bare cell with like a a, one of those like target practice human Mm -hmm. like cutouts on the wall and that's it and then i two people one of whom i think is mr vott we'll find Uh out a little bit later the guy that's doing like they come in and they just look at the window in the door and they're playing peekaboo with him and like and that seems to make him really happy i think that's what makes me so sad is like that's that's all the interaction he's getting. And yeah. so as much as he is terrible and he's probably our biggest villain of the show, like we see where that comes from, you know?
0: Oh, yeah. And I mean, I almost wonder, like, it's like there's like a Stranger Things, like uh, the boys mm-hmm. crossover, like maybe like Homelander totally. and Seven or like... <laughs> Like eleven or what other number? What what is the new one? one? What is his name? One, yeah, they're yeah, all the like, dreamy one. <laughs> <laughs> like, like they're all like you no know, sisters and brothers actually. Like they're all in the same thing. Yeah, I mean, yeah, wild.
1: but it's that kind of thing, and like you could see how that would warp you. And it's not just that because I could understand him just kind of like. Burying it down and like just kind of moving forward, not saying that that's healthy, but that that would be a survival mechanism. But when he is being forced to come to this house and really confront everything he could have had and everything that every other person in the world has had to some extent that he was denied and have to fake it, I could understand how that would make him really, really upset, you know? oh yeah
0: it has to be exhausting I mean mm-hmm. it just for anybody to just like put on such a front at all times like we've talked about that before like he always has to be on and like in this character and that just like who is the real Homelander like exactly I, I, I don't think it's I don't think the real Homelander is a good person but it's like mm-hmm. what you know what who is he without this character and that's I yeah I don't know but we I, I feel like he's got a lot of things building up inside him like he's losing grasp on certain things and i just have a feeling it's all going to come to a head at some point (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. well and there are two other things that are kind of smaller like throwaway things in this episode that i wanted to talk about too because um at one point reyna says like going after homelander or going after Vot," which is essentially the same thing yeah um is a suicide mission not just for the two of them but for thousands of people and she says if you push him too far and yeah I mean he has the power to I mean instantly kill like how many people and so and I feel like what we're seeing is he is kind of he's not really being pushed in a like actual way but like he just is creeping up to the edge of like i can't do this anymore you know yeah
0: and he will clearly do anything for self-preservation like we saw that with the plane right like he is completely willing to sacrifice however many innocent people needed if it's going to cover his own ass and so just imagine that on a larger scale if there was like an institution like that you know the cia or fbi or whatever like behind it like is he just going to completely blow up that whole office, <laughs> like just to like right. erase this these records, these people, and just, yeah, it's kind of scary to think about like what he would do, what extent would he go to to protect himself,
1: yeah, and that Vought would go to because their story would probably be, oh, there was a terrorist threat. A terrorist bombed it, and Homelander tried to save the day and right just, he got the terrorists, so yay, mm-hmm. but everybody's dead, so that yeah, they would completely cover it up. And we see in this episode, I think this is one of the clearest episodes we see that he has the ability to switch his emotions on and or off. Like, we don't really know who he is. I don't know if he knows who he is, but yeah. he is able to play this role and just remove emotions from the equation. And so, like, he can easily do that. Like, he, I feel like he does have some kind of humanity in him, but... He is able to just shut all of that off if it means and no matter how many people have to die, if it means preserving himself. Yeah. And the other thing that's like I read this true crime story a while ago of like and I I can't remember if it's true or if it was like an episode of CSI or something, but that somebody just shot a gun in the air and it came down and landed on somebody and killed them. And that was what the whole episode was about, is like somebody just dropped dead in the middle of their yard. And so when he just takes the baseball and just tosses it, and then Madeline's like, that's probably going to kill somebody. I was like, yes, it probably is. (laughs) And nobody seems to care. It's just like a throwaway thing. It's collateral damage, which is something we're going to talk about a little bit later because that's another Mm -hmm. interesting development. All right. Well, let's. speaking of Madeline, let's talk about her... Before we really dig into Madeline, I want to give a shout out to Ashley. She got fired. Poor Ashley. Uh, it was she... a mutual decision, apparently.
0: Yeah, supposedly. But she did She did not go quietly. So good she for you, Ashley.
1: <laughs> exactly. I love her little speech, too, about the sorority thing. And she's like, she doesn't know she's not supposed to wear Uggs. Yeah. <laughs> it just cracks me up. Although I do still wear Uggs because they're comfortable.
0: Hey, but. No, no, nothing wrong with that but yeah she gets fired basically because of starlight right like because mm-hmm. that story well because of the believe expo and like she couldn't she uh couldn't handle <laughs> starlight basically because you know mm-hmm. as her sort of like handler yeah starlight was not keeping in line the company line she wasn't towing that line so
1: right yeah and i mean She's not going to. She's not ever going to. And it's it's weird. It's like a an immovable force and a um a unstoppable object. It seems like Starlight is like so entrenched in her morals, and Vought is so like used to steamrolling people. It's interesting to see this play out because Madeline tries to manage Starlight also, and yeah. we see that it doesn't quite go the way she thought it was going to Mm -hmm. and she tells her she's selfish and arrogant like I don't know the more I watch these shows and the more I really get to like these characters regardless of how bad they are I find myself trying to see from their perspective too like I could see Madeline like this is her job and Starlight is just constantly making it harder and instead of reflecting on what she is actually doing I was like well maybe it should be hard maybe it's Maybe it's a bad thing I'm doing. She's like, Starlight, you're selfish and arrogant. You won't let me just steamroll you, you know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Madeline is. I did not like Madeline in this episode. Yeah. (laughs) Like until now, I've been like, yeah, girl, like, oh, girl. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And like, kind of, I mean, I still, there's some things I definitely still appreciate about her, but she really is showing how calculated she is a little bit. Mm -hmm. And yeah, she says, a few things in this episode where it's like, oh, you are you are not a good person. <laughs> you know, yeah. like with Starlight just yeah, trying to force her to basically break give in <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. and
0: just do her quote unquote job. And then even with like, I can't even, I don't know if she was talking about Mave or Homelander, but I think it was Homelander where she was talking about like the story, like it's a myth, like I should know I wrote it. Yeah, and it's just she's just she's crafting these whole i stories and identities around these characters like she's actively involved in this story process as well as trying to just wrangle all these superheroes. <laughs>
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think she is specifically talking about Maeve because she knows that's probably who Starlight looked up to the most. And we find out later that that is true, that Maeve, um, Maeve is like Starlight's hero and that she wanted to be a rebel and that that's not actually true. And, but I think she probably wrote all of their narratives. And what I think is so ho- interesting about Homelander in this episode is we see the cost of that for him, you know, mm-hmm. like what it's like to try to uphold this narrative because it's not like he's an actor and he plays a part and then he, the shoots over in three months. Like I'm thinking about like the dark Knight and uh Heath Ledger. Like if it's a particularly challenging role, you can leave it behind when the shoot right. is over or you can even go home at night. Like this is their entire life. It's their entire personality and they can never separate themselves from this lie that Madeline and probably a whole bunch of other consultants and people have like focus tested and decided this is like the best version of themselves and how hard it must be to compare that to who you actually are. And like, well, this is who the world wants me to be. And so any difference from that is me not being good enough, you know? Well, yeah,
0: they're they're set up to fail. Like there's no Mm -hmm. way any of these, the seven are going to be able to live up To this standard that this image that's being put out there for them and also Mm -hmm. do what va is asking them to do like those things like do not gel like there's no way those two storylines are ever going to mesh because they're in like direct contradiction to each other so like that is going to take a toll on you when everybody thinks that you're one thing and you know that you're not but you can't be that thing like we see that with starlight like here she is trying to be that thing And Madeline is not letting her (laughs) Mm -hmm. like she's not willing to see like what an asset that could be and is instead just trying to break her and is not willing to embrace that. Like, oh, this person actually is really genuine and pure and could be an incredible like she could sell this story and be this story. But Mm -hmm. Madeline's not willing to see that because that's not the way it's done.
1: Exactly. And she can't control that, you know, like yeah. what if Starlight's genuine wanting to help people conflicts with something bot is doing, which I mean, I think it pretty clearly would because bot's well, kind of bad, um, mm-hmm. like who's going to win in that si- situation. And if you start down the road of telling Twilight, I'm sorry, if you start to, Twilight is a pony. If you start down the road of telling Starlight, like, no, who you are is valid, then you're just, feeding that. And then when you need to pull it back, you can't anymore because you validated her existence, which doesn't sound like, (laughs) sounds like what we should all be doing with her, but that's just not how VOD operates. All right. My word salad. Um, but she does make an interesting point because she says, well, why don't you just be a cop? You know, if all you want to do is save people then why do you have this costume? Why are you part of the system? Which I think is a valid question, you know? It also, like, makes me curious about this world. Like, wait,
0: are superheroes, like, do superheroes have, like, normal jobs?
1: Right. Are there people with, like, hero abilities that are not part of Vot? Yeah, because I, I'm assuming there
0: are, well, there's also superheroes all over, right? At just like lower mm-hmm. levels. Like we've seen that with some of these other characters kind of in the background, like they work mm-hmm. for cities or whatever. They're just not part of the seven. Yeah. And um, and like Popclaw was like an actress and like we've, so we've seen that and Mesmer was an actor, obviously, and now he's going to conventions <laughs> and yeah. Yeah. Can't, can a soup just be a, be a cop? Like, can they do that? I, I guess so. Apparently, if Madeline's saying, like, just go do that.
1: Yeah, I, I'm wondering if it would be something like Clark Kent being a reporter, you know, and, like, you <laughs> just, just have to <laughs>
0: put a <her> glasses on.
1: <laughs> exactly. You just have to, like, manage. But, I mean, I also could see, like, if you just never insert yourself into the system, mm-hmm. then it, it it does make me wonder. And, and speaking of Mesmer, I also am curious, and this is a larger question that we probably shouldn't dig into just yet, but, like what about the kids of superheroes? Like, Mm -hmm. or maybe they are born now because you're creating an entire different, that that's a down the road thing. But it's just, it's one of those underlying questions that I feel like in another universe, when you start to pull that thread, it all collapses. But like, I want to see how the boys handle that because the boys is the kind of show that I feel like will not let their storyline unravel because of an inconvenient plot line. Yeah. You know? like yeah. they'll follow it and use it to like explore that in another franchise, you know. Yeah. Um she also says nobody's famous alone and I just think that that it's true. She's right about that, you know. And that's mm-hmm. the thing about Madeline is like yeah, she's working for the enemy and if you just assume that what she is saying is good, then she's right. But we know that what like the larger umbrella she is working under is ultimately damaging and so, you know. Everything she says is a product of that that damaging system. We also see that she knows exactly what Deep did. Starlight oh, this made, me, made me so mad. Yeah, I was wondering <laughs> how you were going to feel about this. I did not like it because it just like slips out so casually.
0: You know, they're like strolling down the hall in public, and she's like, "All right, you're going to do this. We're going to send you over here," and you know, before some of the other women like start mm-hmm. talking, and it's like, "Okay, wait, she." no well first off she knows it's him before starlight has even confirmed that yeah starlight has never said who it was yeah still has not said right to anybody who Mm -hmm. it was yeah so madeline is just assuming and she's not wrong (laughs) Mm -hmm. and oh gosh so they're you know works on working on it to get ahead of it and that's disgusting you know to like to basically she's been enabling and hiding this behavior and allowing him to maintain his place in this highly desirable position of being one of the seven when there's something really awful going on in the background that's continuing to happen this isn't a one-time thing Mm -hmm. like we don't know who these other women are whether they were other soups or other just, you know, civilians or whatever. And she does nothing to help Starlight really address that. Does she even acknowledge it to Starlight that she knows that it's the deep? Does she say anything? No, yeah. I don't think so. Anything. It's
1: like this unspoken thing and Starlight's like, I know you know who she is who it is. And she's like, Yeah, no, I
0: know who it Do is. I? And they never uh, say it. You know, yeah. like they
1: don't they don't have to because I feel like they both understand. Because I feel like there's no way Something like that could happen that she wouldn't know about too. Right. Like the amount of tabs she has to keep on these people. It just which is it's just gross. Yeah. Um she knows how to work Homelander though, and that little weird weirds me out. <laughs> it does. Yeah. It I mean, it's a little better than it was in the last episode, but just
0: I oh. just like I don't know if I want to keep seeing that because <laughs> like you know, whatever, like she is clearly in control of that situation and like, mm-hmm. you know, do what you got to do, I guess. But also it's just uncomfortable.
1: <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> and also inappropriate, right? Like she is his boss. Oh, totally. <laughs> like- exactly. Yes, yes. It, it, it. The power dynamics there are just a very complicated muddle of mess and they should not be hooking up. <laughs> And I wonder yeah. if they even are, or if it's just like the tease of this, you know?
0: Yeah. I don't know. Madeline, not on my, you deserve to be on the bad boy list this week. A oh, lot yes. of times I felt like I've had her back a little bit <laughs> or been like, she's bad, but I like her. I did not like her this episode.
1: Yeah. Well, okay. And speaking, of, I'm going to skip one. Speaking of somebody that I wasn't sure if should be on the bad list this week yeah. was A-Train. So how are you feeling about A-Train? He doesn't really A-T- do a <sighs> whole lot in this episode, but.
0: He doesn't do a whole lot. Atrine, I feel like similar to Starlight in some ways where he's just kind of in he's he's like trapped in a weird thing where it's like there's a lot of things he doesn't necessarily like, but he's also not willing to fight against it or do anything. He's just mm-hmm. kind of it bothers him. I think I think we see that, you know, yeah. when they're talking about like he's telling his story and, you know, the director is like yeah let's not talk about gun violence like if we can (laughs) talk about something and he's like well this is my fucking story like this is what happened Mm -hmm. and they just like you know brush over that and make up some other bullshit story and it's that's i think bothers him (laughs) Mm -hmm. because he's like i can't even tell my own story like my own story is not even good enough even though i've like i'm a superhero and you know then they ask about popclaw and he has to lie about that when Mm -hmm. he had to do this terrible thing to someone i think that he genuinely loved so that just Mm -hmm. really just twists that knife a little bit more you know and that's just it's kind of heartbreaking it's it's sad to see well honestly somebody so powerful look and feel so powerless
1: yeah yeah and i think i believe the actor is jesse t usher i want to check double check real quick but that performance right there just the mm-hmm. way he looks off camera and he like you can see him kind of getting choked up but he's also really trying to restrain it and keep it professional of, or what he knows what w- defines professional as and it just really breaks your heart for him too and i think this is the first time i believe the first time we've heard mention of his brother Nathan too yeah, yeah. who is his trainer
0: and he has a family that's the thing like if he's put it like You know, unlike Homelander, like, he's got people around him who know him. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, if he's telling this other story, it's got to be frustrating, too, because people are like, that didn't happen.
1: (laughs) Right, exactly. But, But, like, have they had to sign NDAs, you know? Yeah, who knows? like, would anybody care about Nathan telling the story? Because he was there, too, you know? And it's like, what we were saying about Starlight is, like, his story is a great story. And it's, like, a really inspirational one. But what it would do was draw attention to a problem that Vought doesn't care about, which is gun violence or like they don't care about A-Train if he wasn't super. And so if they start talking about that, then are they then obligated to care about that in a public way and they just don't want to do it. So it's easier just not to talk about it and just like, yeah, bump it up, make it more positive. And and yeah, that's got to sting. Um, and we also see that it's affecting his uh, his running. I don't know if it's the not being on Compound V or just grieving, you know. But he's uh, he's he's slower than what a split second, you know. Yeah. And just, just seeing the way this training goes, too, I think is is really fascinating.
0: Um, yeah, like I like how do you even. Like, at least it would be really efficient, I feel like, you know, mm-hmm. like they could get a lot of laps and practice in in a short amount of time.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you get to live the rest of your day, you know, and just work for a couple of hours. But, yeah, we are going to see Nathan down the road, too. and And he's a character so far that I really like because he seems to be. I don't know, he seems to be at least a little bit of a positive influence on A-Train and somebody who sees him for who he actually is and who is not who wants to push him to be his best not for like selling his image but because he actually cares about him yeah
0: Um, it's probably a grounding force and i would think mm -hmm. that you know a lot of these superheroes outside their family really it's like they know who they really are so maybe that's a way to kind of like not let the pressure of this identity that's put out there get to you so much at least you have like somebody to be like okay at least you know who i am and at least like i that helps like reiterate to myself who i am you know what i mean like it reflects back who they really are so they don't just completely lose themselves
1: right like homelander who literally has nobody and they have to create grounding forces for him yeah yeah well let's talk about the deep um i mentioned him with um with gossip girl but man chase crawford i just i fucking love him not only is he super hot but just like his demeanor it's so like like to watch him hit on this woman as he's like giving this inspirational speech it's just hilarious and so gross
0: he's also just like oblivious like he's just a beautiful moron (laughs) like just yep a complete idiot Mm -hmm. (laughs) who just happens to have this power and is just unable to see who he really is and to really Mm -hmm. make these changes and then when he tries he just does so in such a odd way yeah because it's like okay you've literally already had like madeline like talk to you about you know these women and Starlight, mm. and you've been called out, and then yeah, do you not see that it's weird to hit on this volunteer, this extra in this commercial? Like, why are you doing that? You're on camera right. too. Like, what?
1: Exactly, and it, one either shows his obliviousness, but two, I think it also shows he has gotten so used to Vod just covering up for him that he doesn't even have to try. You know, well, like just he like knows that, they're going to cut that out. That you know?
0: desperate need for attention.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, just
0: like please. Oh, hey, what's up, girl? Like please, like look at me. Like please, say something.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, volunteer. And I, the the line where Courtney yells, "Put the trash back on the beach." I don't know why that cracked me up, but I well, just because. Loved it.
0: I mean, which made me think too it's like wait are all those commercials like that like when yeah. they show like you know a company like an eco company that's like oh we're doing this because do you see all this trash in the beach it's like wait did they put that there
1: yeah they probably staged? did they probably put the oil on those baby chicks you know so, oh my gosh the soap. <laughs> they like oh no, i hope not <laughs> i know or at least that they clean those baby chicks up um I also, okay. So speaking of commercials, like his public apologies, this is the first time I've noticed this. Did you notice it says deep makes public apology. It wasn't on porpoise. Oh, I caught that. I and was it like...
0: infuriated me because it was like, <laughs> it just feels like clickbait. Right. And it's just like, mm-hmm. like that is the nature of the world, right? Yep. Like it's all about like the headline and what's going to get attention. And mm-hmm. it, you know, the actual the horrible thing that he did isn't like we have to make a joke out of it. Mm. And like, oh ugh, ugh. and like similarly how when he's talking about it, he's like, oh I had no idea I made her feel this way. Mm. Like uh, like oops, misread the moment. Like like making it feel like a misunderstanding is just really gross.
1: Mm-hmm. Cause it's like,
0: I don't know, it's like just a backhanded apology, I
1: guess. Right. Well and we see him filming it so we know like when the producer comes up and is like hey can you like sell it a little bit can you mean what you're saying and he's like yeah okay you're fine like he clearly doesn't want to do this he doesn't care he doesn't think he should have to and he is only doing it because he has to and I think you know at first I thought it was like CNN or whoever the Vought version of CNN Mm -hmm. was that put the porpoise on there but I think it's in quotation marks. I could totally see him saying it wasn't on porpoise, which oh. I do I do have to give it to the writers because that is hilarious, but in a disgusting way, which is what oh, the yeah. whole thing is. It's just and, very, uh, like, that cynical dark humor is very funny. <laughs> I know. Well, and, you know, not to get to, like, real world political, but, like, him filming this commercial, like this dropped in 2019. Mm. And then we saw a real life version of this after um, January 6th, when we saw what the actual taping and the outtakes of a public apology was. And I just think it's, it just kind of speaks to this show really like be like holding an unflinching eye to the reality of situations like this, you know?
0: Oh, yeah. And just to like, you know, when these public apologies, because we get them all the time, right? I uh-huh. Mean, we, yep. Like, we, we see these all the time on social mm-hmm. media from companies. Like the notes slip-
1: apologies. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, if anybody is following, like, the Vanderpump Rules scandal, like, there's been some <laughs> amazing ones there. And it's just, like, these apologies that are, have had a whole, like, marketing team behind them and, like, still can't get them right. Like, still. Right. Like, like, exactly. Like, how many people looked at this? And it's just really makes you just look at some of these things and it's like you can't this is not sincere at all yeah
1: well and it's it's interesting like because you said still can't get them right and i think that that is exactly right but i also think there's an element of them knowing they don't have to try to get it exactly right because there's a huge swath of the public that doesn't want them to make this apology and this half-assness is kind of like a little signal to them like we don't really mean it. You don't even well, you even, mean you even it see
0: that like with the editing, like it shows it like mm-hmm. on TV and then they like change the channel because it's just like, eh, like not exactly. interested. <laughs> like,
1: yeah, don't nobody care. cares. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, to Seth Rogen, which is yeah. one of my shock and all moments <laughs> yeah. is like I just fucking love the cameos on the show. Um, yeah. But you put something in your notes about his car that I had not ever thought about before.
0: Oh, yeah. He's all like you know talking about being like this reinvigorated like eco warrior right but then he's driving this gas guzzling like famously inefficient uh hummer
1: yeah like a bright yellow one too yeah so like the not tension, even trying to hide it yeah
0: yeah not even trying to hide this like something that's like really bad for it. it's like at least drive like a prius or
1: something or like and I think I in that commercial, he's even saying, hey, I got this guy to drive a Prius. Like Arnold Schwarzenegger type person is like, mm, this is progress, right? But he's not even doing it.
0: No, he is a disaster of a human.
1: <laughs> he really is a beautiful, beautiful disaster of a human. Mm-hmm. And I just eat up every second of it because I know he's not real. If you were a real True. person, I would <laughs> be infuriated. Um, but yeah, he is headed to Sandusky, Ohio. Uh, I... taking a sabbatical from the seven yep but spoiler it is not the last we are going to see of the deep because how do you let somebody that beautiful go you know <laughs> <laughs> sorry uh all right well speaking of beautiful i don't know how this segment's gonna or segue is gonna go but our spice girls So this is a section where we talk about the good guys and the good girls are real heroes and not in the bullshit way that homelander always says Mm-hmm. Um, so let's start with Starlight she had a big episode last yeah. time and I feel like this is a, a pretty significant one for her but she's not really like the main thrust of the episode so so we see her going on we already talked about her standing up to Madeline she's essentially like no you can't fire me because I'm going to tell them it's because I reported sexual assault which I love like pulling that card out like no I've got stuff on you now you've bumped me up i have followers people care about me so you know fuck you yeah what does she say
0: yeah she says i don't do discretion anymore Mm -hmm. like she's she's embracing this you know this empowerment right that she's given herself like she's done this herself and she's really Mm -hmm. living that and we see that with madeline like no like don't like. I wasn't just up there saying words like this is what's happening and this is. I'm not going to just bow to your demands anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, nope. This is how it's going to be. And, but I do think it's interesting because we see it's not that simple. Yeah.
1: yeah. And like yeah. we
0: see that a little bit later with the you know the commercial that does get put out there. It's like it's not. It's sad because it's like it's not enough for her to just say nope, this is what I'm doing now. Because that's like, okay, fine. Well, we're going to do this with or without you.
1: <laughs> exactly. We are going to create your image. And like just them texting, we got enough. We don't need you to show up. And we don't need you to show up and be defiant. Like we have everything we need from what you've already given us. Yes. It's just yeah. posturing
0: back and forth. And so- Right. It's got like, which is really kind of hard to watch because it's like, I feel so happy for her. And it's like, yes, like Starlight, you're doing it like good for you. And it's still just like, oh, yeah, that's great. Nice. Like how naive of you. We're more Mm -hmm. powerful than you. Like we have more resources. Like, okay, fine. Well, right. We don't care. We're still going to do this.
1: Well, and how is she going to explain not wanting to be a part of Citizen Starlight? You know, yeah. like what's her explanation for that going to be now that they've propped her up as an empowerment warrior, you know, and I love Maeve's little line like the house always wins, which I think is just so cynical, but also right, you know, and the only way to win is to take the house down, you know, and I think I don't think she's quite there yet. But right,
0: she's still know, learning, I, I think, like she's yeah. still learning just exactly how nefarious bot is, and like how calculated and manipulative they are, yeah. and whenever she thinks she's got it figured out, nope, they're gonna one up her.
1: Exactly. Every time she's like, "I don't do discretion," she gives them a little bit of pushback. They're like, "Oh, well, we've got a, like five steamrollers here." They're so, like, "Yeah, that's you know. cute." <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we've seen you before, and it really makes me wonder because she talks she has a pretty important conversation with Maeve it really makes me wonder what Maeve was like when she first joined the Seven mm-hmm. you know how how idealistic she is and to see how just beat down she has gotten and so maybe let's skip to Maeve sure um she's just so jaded and so we get this story of um her breaking all of her arm all of the bones in her right arm when a school bus fell off of a cliff and she saved this school bus. And then she also went to all of the uh, physical therapy afterwards. But then we find out, like, that's probably not true. Madeline probably just wrote that story. And it's just Mm -hmm. another piece of this big lie, you know?
0: Yeah. And I think that, you know, that's a big reckoning moment because, like, Starlight's talking about how, like, I just wanted to be just like you. And I read this over and over again. And yeah, just to find out it was all just marketing material. I mean, they always say, like, don't meet your heroes, right? Because right. the image that you have of them will likely never hold up. Exactly. You know, and even if that person is a really great person, maybe you catch them on a bad day. Like, who knows? Like, mm-hmm. it, but so it's just, it's sad for Starlight and it's also sad for Maeve because it's like, here was somebody who actually believed these great things about her. And she knows that they're all now they both know that it was all a lie. Exactly. Yeah.
1: I know it is really sad. I feel like this is a a dark episode for Maeve, you know, because Elena shows up to her shoot and I just love how much of a scumbag Courtney, the producer is (laughs) like, she's kind of like an Ashley like character. I feel like she and Ashley would get along very well, you know? Yeah. Um, and she immediately calls her a friend. And and this is after showing up af- at her apartment drunk. And, like, I don't think she was really looking for a booty call. I think she no. wanted to turn to, like, the only person she feels like she can trust. And I think we don't really know what happened with their breakup. But I think it's probably safe to say it's similar to Popclaw and A-Train. Yeah. It's like she didn't want to, you know... She didn't trust Vought to ever know that she is lesbian or at least bisexual. And so she just completely hid this.
0: I, yeah, the thing with Maeve too, it's like, I wonder, because we're seeing her, I feel like kind of reevaluate a lot of these things. Like maybe she's been cruising along, like not content, but like just kind of numb and like, all right, whatever. And now that Starlight's in the seven, I think she's seeing some things reflected back at her that she didn't necessarily see before mm-hmm. and also like before starlight she was the only female superhero correct at that yes. current moment
1: i think and so. so
0: i think having that feminine energy like because we even see her say like she's getting interviewed like how are you supporting starlight how are you supporting Mm -hmm. starlight like are they asking homelander that question are they Mm -hmm. asking black noir that question i mean i realize Mm -hmm. he doesn't really say much but like yeah like (laughs) Like, they're not asking anybody else that question they're asking her that question because Mm -hmm. she's a woman right and and so i think that that dynamic is having her take another look at herself and be like you know, seeing somebody so, you know, naive, but also like incredibly altruistic in their mm-hmm. motives is making her also reevaluate herself and remember, like, I used to be like that. Like, how did I get this way? And that's right. I, I mean, I can't blame her. Yeah, I would want to mm-hmm. go. And like find somebody who actually cared and knew me and like yeah I might go drunkenly to their house too and be like no no tell me I'm a good person I'm a good person right, right?
1: <laughs> exactly yeah yeah and it's like uh, we talked about with Homelander shutting her his emotions off I feel like that's what Maeve has been doing and we also have said before like representation matters and like when you see someone like Maeve doing these incredibly strong things you think oh, maybe I can be strong too. And so she is seeing representation of what she could be with starlight. And she's like, not only why am I not like that anymore, but like, oh, maybe I could do this. But being like emotionally strong is going to mean confronting a whole lot of times that you haven't been in the past. And that's just really, really hard. And it's easier to just drink and show up at your extra girlfriend's house, you know?
0: Yeah, the encouraging (laughs) thing is I feel like Maeve is not a lost cause like Homelander (laughs) lost cause. Right. Even even a train. I feel like it's still like, well, there's hope for you because you're feeling conflicted about certain things. Like, yeah, you've made Mm -hmm. some bad choices clearly, but you're not, you know, haven't gone full, you know, villain mode. Right. And same thing with Maeve. I think that she, maybe she was for a while, but she's kind of teetering on the edge of like, maybe a. I don't know. I'm not comfortable with being full bad guy right now.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Well, and I think if I were to challenge the show, I would think, is it possible for Homelander to be redeemed? You know, like if your ultimate thesis is there is no ultimate good and ultimate bad. And I just said ultimate a whole lot of times in that sentence. But like, is. Is it has anyone ever gone so far that they can't come back you know and i would love yes. to see if they could try to bring homelander <laughs> back from the edge too i um, could try i don't think i don't know work. if it's possible but <laughs> i would also love to see that um, anyways i'm i've been on record at how hot i think i was like but... <laughs> you just want
0: to not feel bad about crushing on him. <laughs> i know
1: i know hey I, I got a thing for the bad boys um. All right. Well, let's talk about another bad boy, because we learn quite a bit about Butcher in this episode. Yeah. Um. And I couldn't remember when this story came out. Um. But as I was watching it, I was like, oh, man, because we do find out about Becca. So he takes Huey to the park bench and apparently Homelander has raped her. Yeah. And she sat on this bench and we've seen her watch this footage, but he mm-hmm. doesn't know what happened to her after. He, after she got up from the bench and just walked off. So he says either Homelander killed her, or or she killed herself. So, and I feel like that really informs a lot of where Homelander is coming from. And he makes a really direct connection between Robin and Becca, which I think is a pretty apt connection. It's like, we're not just doing this for ourselves or because it's right, we're doing it for these people, and they've lost everything. And so what is it that we're not willing to sacrifice? And the whole reason he's doing this is because he knows Huey is falling for Starlight.
0: Yeah. this I mean, this, I feel like, was an important moment because it's, like, the first time, well, for, for multiple reasons. I feel like the, like the shoe drops with Butcher a little bit. Like, he's willing to kind of drop the facade a little bit. Like, he's mm-hmm. being, I feel like it's like, oh, this is Butcher right here in this moment. Like, he's being really honest with huey in ways that i don't think a lot of other people have seen like that side of butcher Mm -hmm. not that what you know minus the swagger and the pep talk and the metaphors and analogies and all of that like he's he's being very honest with him Mm
1: -hmm. which
0: i think is important but at the same time he makes me so mad in this episode Mm -hmm. because he's telling him this but he's not acknowledging the fact that like oh yeah that's your story and how you feel and that is completely valid but like Huey might not want to do that like right Huey might want to take a different approach like he can commiserate and empathize with you but maybe that's not going to become that like rage burning inside him like it is with Butcher like clearly he is stuck on some stage of the grieving process and unwilling <laughs> to move any further like he is Mm -hmm. making that choice and he i mean we see it later when he's on the date with starlight like he is weaponizing that pain and that guilt and is really trying to get huey to like get there with him and i think that is a very large uh, dick move on butcher's part
1: completely agree because we see huey before butcher shows up he's like moving on and there's this yeah. really sweet moment where he kisses starlight and all the noise stops and robin yeah. robin's ghost is gone and it's really sweet but butcher does not want him to get to that point because i think he doesn't believe that huey will still want to help him you know right. if he doesn't have that rage because that's all butcher can really hold on to and i think like in therapy i've talked about this a lot like. That anger is the easiest emotion to feel because it's action oriented and you can do something and Mm -hmm. it makes you, it it kind of like blinds you with rage is like, I don't know, I feel like it's, it's, it's descriptive because it makes you not care about anything else, but just acting on that rage and it you keeps you from feeling the hurt and the pain and the fear and the loneliness and all of the other emotions like i also have like my therapist has a lot of visuals about feelings she calls it the anger iceberg and Mm. like anger is on top and everything else is below it yeah Um, and he just i think he's terrified of going beneath this like just like what it means if he does move on like, yeah, if exactly. he moves on,
0: does that mean that he gave up? Does that mean, mm-hmm. like, he's. I think the difference is Huey knows what hap- happened to Robin. Mm-hmm. Butcher doesn't know what True. happened to his wife. So I think that's a notable difference here because mm-hmm. there is no mystery here for Huey. Like, clearly, Robin right. is gone. This is who did it. End of story. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and he already end killed,
1: story, but... you know, a version of who did it. You know, he's already gotten something, you know? Yes.
0: And. You know, with Butcher, there's a nugget of hope, maybe, that she's out there. Probably not, but also, I don't know, maybe. And But if he moves on, it's like he's giving up on not only himself and this, like, mission, but her as well. And so I Mm -hmm. think that he's just not willing to confront that.
1: Yeah. Well, and I think part of why Huey has been able to move on is because he found Starlight. And I think we see... Like, if Butcher could let the boys be his starlight and say, Mm -hmm. Hey, because I don't think it's really about a romantic relationship with you and Starlight that is able, like, letting him move on. I think that's part of it. But I think part of it is just having somebody to honestly talk to who will listen and care. And Butcher has that. He Mm -hmm. just won't, he just doesn't want to move on because then it's really over, you know? Which is quite Um, interesting to me because he is
0: this kind of like, Apinity and I mean, he's very, very attractive in this show. Like, he's <laughs> mm. got that swagger, right? He's got uh-huh. the accent, he's got the the build, and the like these little witty sayings, and like, he's got this facade of just this calm, cool, collected, cool guy. He's a cool mm. guy. <laughs> yeah, like George Costanza would be like such a <laughs> such a cool guy. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, and it's you know he can't. He's not willing to. I don't know. Break that character. Similar to Homelander. I mean, mm-hmm. sh- shocking. They're quite similar in some ways. You know, it's that he's not willing to break that character and let the boys in in that way. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's just it's sad and also really mad, like, enraging because he takes it out on other people who don't deserve it necessarily. Like mm-hmm. when we, they when they go to the, you know, this the what is it? Collateral
1: damage survivors oh, God. meeting. Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. That pissed me off so much. I get where he's coming from. But like as a person who has been to a lot of those types of meetings, like I remember a guy showed up one time and just cried the whole time and shared like nine times. And we were like, Mm. all right, dude, we're all we're all here. And I mean, the thing is, like, he was very in need of help and he didn't know where else to go. And I think that's what butcher butchers in that same spot. Like this just so clearly shows how in denial he is how unwilling he is to move on which is what we were just talking about but it's like everyone else like they don't have the ability to just leave their lives behind and work for the fbi like they are trying to move on in a way that means something to them and he's just showing up and shitting all over it you know well
0: and he's seeing it as a weakness like he goes in there and is like insulting these people that are like clearly mm-hmm. trying to like move on and just deal with the fact that like these terrible things have happened to them at the hand of a soup whether intentional exactly. or not like yeah. i'm sure there's some people that are just like yeah my building got blown up by homelander like that was real shitty and like now i you yeah. know, don't have a hand or whatever and but they're just trying to like deal with that and reconcile and compensate and move on and then butcher comes in and just yeah is just being a real asshole and yeah because he's seeing that i think he's seeing them as yeah as weak and it's like where's your mm-hmm. yeah he says where's your rage and it's where's like maybe rage, they've, yeah maybe they've moved past that and they're like that's you know yeah. i don't i don't want to be mad anymore i just want to move on and like get over it and he yeah can't see that there's a power in that
1: Yeah, yeah, exactly. That that vulnerability is actually a strength. That's what we've been talking about with Huey too. That's what I was thinking when I heard him say that. I was like, well, yeah, they probably had that rage too. Like, you don't lose your arm or your penis and not experience rage, you know? And then go
0: work for the company because that guy was the marketing guy, right? He
1: was, yeah, he was. So he
0: he has to work with perfect little touch.
1: Just Jeff's guess, exactly. I know. Probably still Ice Princess. yeah oh, gosh and it's like we were talking about like anger is the easiest emotion to feel and it's all consuming and it feels good but it also keeps you from doing anything else like it it keeps you stuck there and i think yeah he's seeing people that have moved on and i think i think there's a part of him that realizes that's what he is going to have to do and he is just terrified of it yeah um also want to mention <laughs> M.M.'s ringtone for him is Ride of the Valkyries, which I thought was uh, was was very interesting. Although I also want to say that is written by Richard Wagner and we don't we don't play his yeah, music not... anymore because he was a Nazi. I was going to say also,
0: yeah, not not a good dude. Uh, yeah. To spin that a little bit, we can change it <laughs> Um, because it's yeah, Valkyries and Carl Urban, the actual human also plays in as guardian in Thor Ragnarok and a ah. viking in the movie Pathfinder so
1: <laughs> Interesting. I mean so it's very apt. It's got a it's got a real yeah. um you know But for a minute I thought it was I was getting my Evil Anthems mixed up and I was thinking it was like the Stormtrooper theme which I also think is is kind that of the spirit funny. with which MM Inter- is like this is bad news. Like whatever it is he's calling with it's going <laughs> to fuck up your day, you know. Yeah. Um. Okay. Let's talk about MM just a little bit. I love him in this episode. Um, Even his tremendous fucking TED talk, like he's mm-hmm. got all of this laid out. He's presenting everything. We also find out he was a field medic. Like anytime there is something that needs to be done from like an official standpoint or like a public facing standpoint, like he's the one to go to. And he even says like, it's you get further with people when you treat them like people. Like, right. Yeah. Love you, MM. He's just, yeah, he's just
0: so sweet and he's so organized. And I find that very attractive. You know, he's got <laughs> his post its and his pens and just like appreciates kind of. I mean, I mean, we, he's talked about this before like he appreciates an order. And so he doesn't like mm-hmm. it when like a plan gets derailed or disregarded. Like he likes things to happen a certain way like this is how I laid it out this is how it should happen and I I I can relate (laughs) nothing will like like throw me for a loop as far you know something that doesn't go as planned like that will throw me for a loop so I totally get that and I just I appreciate his presence
1: (laughs) yes I do too he's a very grounding force in the boys and I just love him um And he also, like, he's so interesting the way he handles Mesmer because he's really forceful, but he also is really kind of tender. And he's like, I know you want to see your daughter. Here's what we can do. Like, I feel like he, out of all of them, is the most comfortable with just being a good person, but also doing bad things, you know?
0: And he watches Downton Abbey with, like, his wife or whoever. (laughs) Like, oh, my God. you just, like, that's so cute but like he's gonna oh, no. have to tell her at some point that he does not work at the juvenile detention center anymore <laughs> i
1: like, know it's gonna come up <laughs> exactly yeah it's like it's like the the sword hanging over huey's head you know like this is gonna happen at some point like we know monique is gonna find out at some yeah. point um yeah i also like his little line about tattooing fuck no on your ass so yeah that's, <laughs> that's a good one He's just like the perfect mix of like good guy, bad boy, you know. And I just, oh, I just love him. Mm-hmm. Um. Well, speaking of another good slash bad boy that we love, let's talk about Frenchie. Um. Which first I said, yeah, damn right. When he said, I do not control her, yes. and I love how he pronounces "chunky monkey." Just, mm-hmm. Oh, Tomer Capone. Oh, I just love him. <laughs> would eat him with a spoon. Um, So how are you feeling about Frenchie in this episode?
0: I loved him. He was so sweet and just like, you know, he's just not giving up on her. And Mm -hmm. like even, you know, they, so they take her to Mesmer to, so that he can, you know, read her basically because she's not, they don't know if she's unwilling to communicate or unable to communicate. And I don't think that's actually been cleared up yet. But he's able to see so some things in her to just basically be like, okay, are you a threat or are you okay? Like, are you a Spice Girl? Or are you a villain? Like what? Let's figure this out. Mm. And you know what they learn at first leans towards like, Oh, villain. Like, Oh, she was part of this uh, terrorist group. Okay. That's bad. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but for, even then Frenchie's like, no, no, no. Like, keep going. Like, do it again like dig deeper and then they find out like it's not so simple like oh she was a child soldier who was like indoctrinated into this thing okay Right. well now we feel a little bit differently Mm -hmm. after our parents
1: were murdered that's
0: shitty we don't blame you now different circumstances and I just he's not willing to give up on her and he sees something in her that the others are not quite ready or willing to see and he you know I just think that we could all use a Frenchie just someone who really sees you and has your back like I just appreciate that about him and I just think that he's I don't know they're just so cute
1: yeah and like after she breaks Mesmer's hand like did you notice he holds her other hand while she like relives this it's like you are the sweetest ever
0: Yeah, he's so sweet, and they're so cute, and I'm excited to learn more of her backstory, but I'm also happy – I mean, there's layers to her story, right? I'm happy to hear that she is not a bad guy.
1: Me too. Mm -hmm. But
0: also we learn that, like, oh, she was also made. Like, they're trying to develop – like, she was targeted because of her history with this group, because then she will become – basically an evil (laughs) supervillain
1: exactly yeah yeah and so we find out her name is kamiko which yes um she also likes shark week which i think is fantastic and um yeah she is a supervillain she is a well quote unquote she was created to be a supervillain because you gotta up the ante there has to be a need there has to be a fear and it reminds me of like every time there's an election like there's like the caravan coming to the border, like you gotta create a threat.
0: Um mm-hmm. or like
1: in um V for Vendetta, you know, where they poison the water to make the government seem necessary. And it's just just real fun. Oh, up. this I mean,
0: there is, and this is not just an American problem. Let me be clear. But like America does have a long history mm-hmm. of setting up things. And a lot of times you know, sometimes they don't always work out and they backfire. And then that's how you get things like the Iraq war, <laughs> or, exactly. you know, for, for instance. And so this is, I mean, it's fascinating to me because it's, yes, we're talking about superheroes and super villains and comic books and superheroes, but it's like, I I'm loving seeing these parallels and cause it's just like people, like we see this all the time in real life. Like maybe there's yeah. not super powers, but so maybe that makes it less interesting, but it's like these things are happening all the time. Like even mm-hmm. now, like I I mean, what is it like you can like do a toilet flush and like we can talk about like, I know, politics or whatever. But it's like we're seeing this now, right, where mm-hmm. groups of people that do not deserve hate, this targeted hate are certainly being targeted at this moment. And mm-hmm. if you think that that's anything other than political you were
1: wrong. <laughs> exactly. Yes. Yes. Um, drag queens are not killing anyone. Nope. Um, yeah. Well, and it's interesting because, like, there we have our hero, our superheroes, and our supervillains. And, like, Kamiko is supposed to be the supervillain, but she is the hero. And Homelander is the yeah. supervillain, you know? And it's just so, like, you wrote, ah, oh, the irony. And that's just a perfect way to describe it.
0: Yep. Heroes are what we Uh, make them right or exactly
1: yeah well and it just shows the fallacy of putting all of your stock in one person to save the day or one type of person to save you like we have to be able to save ourselves and that doesn't mean we can't look to other people to help us and to be stronger than us but we it's one person cannot be the pinnacle that's just not sustainable um Unless you're Huey and I have a huge crush on you. (laughs) Well, there's that. Yeah. Yes. I love Huey. And we've already talked about him just a little bit. Um, But yes, so he, we, and we see like a little bit of a connection to his old life because his friend shows up at this bar. And so we learn that he just kind of dropped off the face of the earth, which I think is interesting because like. I think I've just been thinking, oh, he's part of the boys. It's exciting. Like, you don't think about the life that he left behind, you know?
0: Right. And I, it's this was I mean, it was a small detail, but I think it was an important one because we see basically like his friend tells this story like, oh, yeah, when Huey like dated this girl or whatever. And like this this story that was past Huey, <laughs> goofy. Mm-hmm unable to commit make a move kind of stagnant past huey but that's Mm -hmm. not who huey is anymore Mm -hmm. and i think that we're seeing these two versions of huey have to kind of deal with each other and you know he's not the same person and Mm -hmm. that's gonna take time to rewrite that narrative not only for huey himself but the people around him
1: Mm -hmm. because they
0: don't well i mean he's not He's not sharing that with them. Like he just they just know that like his girlfriend tragically died and now he's gone. And Mm -hmm. so, of course, they're going to be concerned and think that it's one thing, but they have no idea like everything that he's gone through at this point. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that can be that can be hard, too, I think, for anybody that's trying to either improve themselves or make a life change. It's sometimes hard to explain that to the people closest to you because it's just like, I don't want to have to explain this. Just let me do my thing.
1: (laughs) Exactly. Well, because if you have to explain it, you have to find words to explain it to someone else. You have to first understand it yourself. And and I feel like Huey is just in this very instinctual part of his life where it's like if i think too hard about this i'm gonna back down and butcher even comments about like how he i love the the like you feel like you had this look on your face like your chair was about to fall over and you don't have that anymore like you're getting you're gaining confidence but it's like i don't know if he's really completely ready to confront that what that actually means because it really does mean he's leaving his life behind you know
0: yeah it's it's a it's a difficult thing and i don't think he wants to like he's choosing this path and like we see it you know at the end with Starlight, like he's choosing happiness in a way and Mm -hmm. i don't think he wants to hear other people's opinions
1: right like he's Mm -hmm. just like
0: i'm doing this and i think this is good and i i i feel good about this i don't want you to like tell me anything other than other than that yeah and i think everybody can relate to that where you just don't want to explain something to somebody cuz you know what they're going to say and it's like mm-hmm. frankly I don't want to hear it like I'm good I'm happy this is what I need to do. Yeah. And so that was I think an important but um an interesting uh moment for Huey to show kind of where his character is currently at again.
1: Yeah. Well, and we see this happen after he learns about Butcher mm-hmm. and I think he's also kind of seeing I don't want to, it's kind of like Maeve, you know, it's like he's, he's seeing um what he could be if he just sat in this bitterness and this anger. And I think he's really seeing, man, Butcher's got some issues. Like, I don't yeah. want to be him, you know, even with such a simple thing. It's like, why are he's calling people cunts and twats? <laughs> Which I think was hilarious
0: oh i love that and that really i mean just shows like it's all about perspective right Mm -hmm. or or i said or the patriarchy (laughs) yeah i mean it is always a patriarchy (laughs) like telling you that this is an insult Mm -hmm. and huey's choosing to see it from another perspective like actually this is like the greatest thing on earth like sure call me that like that's a compliment like why is this an insult and Mm
1: -hmm. it's like
0: you know what you're right why is it an insult because they're telling okay. you it's an insult.
1: <laughs> exactly. Yeah, because it allows you to perpetuate this standard that men, or that strength, or that masculinity is power, and that everything else is weakness, and that's just that's just not true. So yeah, yeah, go Huey, we love him. Mm-hmm. All right, we got one more person that we haven't talked about yet, um, and that's a new character. We have Mesmer, <laughs> played by Haley Joel Osment. Um, Amazing. I know. So his his superpower, he's like a lower level soup. He was in Teen Kicks with uh, Popclaw and A-Train, which I would, lo- would just love to see a spinoff. Um, and his power is that if he touches your hand or shakes your hand, he can read your mind. Mm-hmm. And it seems to me like more of an intentional thing. Like you kind of have to put it in your mind for him to see it, you know? Like it doesn't, it's not like... I don't know, I'm thinking like Dr. Sleep, like we're going through all the file cabinets. Like, I don't know if it's like I can touch your hand and know every single thing about you. Right. But it's a pretty impressive talent. So so how are you feeling about Mesmer?
0: I mean, I thought I love seeing these sort of like third tier mm-hmm. superheroes because it just shows that, you know, just having a weird power isn't enough to make you like a famous celebrity. Like there's this mm-hmm. whole other economy of superheroes that are, you know surviving but maybe not thriving
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> And
0: because uh, we learned that he got busted for insider trading yeah um by reading some guy's mind or whatever and he lost custody of his kid and you know his house is fine but nothing like super special but yeah that that must be something that's hard to deal with because we also see him then like go to homelander
1: Mm-hmm.
0: and like give up all of these people
1: <laughs> i know yeah. oh and he says i just want to be one of the good guys again like, which is you could have i mean been.
0: yeah which is awful and mm-hmm. like so sad because it's like but you were you don't realize yeah. that now you're a bad guy and it's just like you know you see like this is somebody who's been not burned by the system but kind of like just overlooked or ignored by the system, but so desperately just still wants to be a part of it, even though, mm-hmm. like, the system is completely corrupt and
1: awful. Right, right. And I wonder, like, he's got to know that on some level. Like, I he has a passing acquaintance with Homelander. But, I mean, he. Fe- I feel like he is genuine when he looks at Homelander and he says, I want to be on your team because you're the good guy, you know? Yeah. Um, It's just... It also is an interesting example of him having consequences for a crime when we see other superheroes who get to do whatever they want and Vought will Mm -hmm. clean up after them. And it just shows you like Vought is always going to protect themselves. And if it's more advantageous for them to cut you loose, then they'll do that, you know, or if it's more advantageous for them to ignore all of the other women that Deep has assaulted, Mm -hmm. um, because he is maybe you know i don't want to bring it to this but because i think haley joel Osment is just adorable but i mean the deep is more conventionally attractive and so yeah. if mesmer looked a different way would they want him in the seven and would they be willing to cover up this insider trading because i mean i could imagine him doing a similar skill as like translucent you know
0: but and also so. like i mean there is a bit of real life it you know bleeding into this because it shows that like He was a child star in this Mm -hmm. series, you know, like was famous as a child, which obviously Haley Joel Osment was, but once he kind of like outgrew that like cute little kid, Mm
1: -hmm. you know,
0: he got just kind of overlooked for a while. And luckily he's been, I feel like I've seen him in a lot of things recently. So I feel like he's kind of like made a little bit of a comeback, which is great to see. But, you know, similarly, it's like that really happened to him with just the whole you know, Hollywood system like this is kind of mirroring him in a little bit ways in his his, his real life journey, which is I, I'm glad to see he has a sense. He has a sense of humor about it.
1: Exactly. Yeah. It kind of reminds me of like Will Wheaton in a certain way, you know, like you you have to be able to confront confront your past before you can actually move on from it, which is what we were talking about with Butcher. Yeah, but he's great in this. I would like mm-hmm. love to see him in more things. Um, I know he's also in Tusk, which I just I don't know if I can bring myself to watch. <laughs> I've seen enough um, and I have weird skin things, but I um, like weird skin phobias. But like he's great in this. He like and this is a big episode for him because we see him just know that his daughter doesn't want to spend time with him. But he still just wants to connect with her and it just breaks your heart, you know.
0: Well, and I have to think that, like, in some way, like, because when he reads his daughter, he's, he basically sees that, like, she's not necessarily interested in getting to know him. She hasn't known him. And she's just, yeah, she even says she's like, I don't even really know you. Yeah. But, you know, she also doesn't really care to. Like, she's okay. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's probably a desperate attempt in there somewhere. Like, well, maybe if I was one of the seven, maybe if I was famous, maybe yeah. she would... She would at least be like a little bit more proud or like want to know me. And mm-hmm. So it's just,
1: oh, it's so sad. I know. Well, and I was also thinking, and maybe this can lead us into our next thing, is does she have powers? Because she's the daughter mm. of a soup. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so yes, Mesmer, we'll see him a little bit more. Um, or we'll see him again. But I just love him. And I love these cameos, you know, and I, I mean, that's this is maybe a little bit bigger than a cameo, but there are a couple that are that we're going to see over the course of the three seasons that I've seen. And they're just just perfect casting. And I just love yes. that this is a show that people I want to see want to be a part of, you know. Oh, totally. Yeah. Like fucking Seth Rogen just showing up for just a minute. <laughs> yeah. Um, All right. Well, let's move into good and evil or good versus evil, which is where we talk about any themes that we may not have covered yet. So we've we mentioned this a little bit, but no hero is born; they are all just kids dosed with V. So that's what we find out with Samaritan's embrace. These are not naturally occurring soups. Yeah,
0: that's quite interesting. Mm-hmm. And yes, I I'm and- excited to see how that unfolds. And it, but I just see. like the weight of what that means is mm-hmm. also really interesting, and like the parallels that we see it's like there's nothing necessarily special about these people i think even like butcher says something about that like they weren't like blessed they're like they're not gods right it's like they're medical experiments given out at random seemingly random I'm, i'm sure we'll learn more but at this point it seems like it's like oh they just got a shot or something
1: exactly yeah well and we see annie doesn't know about this which i think is another thing that like is going to have ripple effects is like if you have spent your entire life thinking that you are blessed by God and that is why you can do what mm-hmm. you can do, like what is that going to do to you when you find out that that's a lie, you know, and that your entire life, and, I mean, who knew about it? Like do do the parents know? And we don't know enough yet to to know, but like, I don't know. Can you, like, I just, I, I think that's really going to be a hard realization for Annie, you know? Yeah.
0: Um, it would be hard for anybody, I think.
1: Yeah. Um, Well, and it's part of this myth, too, is that, you know, because Ezekiel, when in the Believe Expo, he's like essentially saying we are uh, like second tier gods, like you should believe us because God believes in us. And if all of that is a lie, then all of it is a lie, you know, and what is (laughs) and it just makes your brain explode, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, like, even Homelander, too, says something, right? Like, like I was given this gift. Like, this is my duty. And it's like, you know, the Blues Brothers were like, we're on a mission from God. Like, you know, they're not on a mission from God, actually.
1: <laughs> <laughs> like- uh-huh. Exactly. Yeah. You're on a mission that you've told yourself is from God. And, you know, just like all religion, it is interpreted through the filter of the person that is espousing it, you know? Yeah. Science
0: weird <laughs> oh, Yep.
1: Ooh, science and religion Ooh.
0: i i would like to just like quickly te- like touch on the storytelling myth because i do think okay. that's so interesting because they talk mm. about there's just a few things like related to the hero thing you know they always say like history is written by the victors right uh-huh. and i mean that's how we're seeing this kind of unfold here like we're mm-hmm. seeing even like starlight's thing is being rewritten homelander's past is being rewritten the plane crash is being rewritten it's all being spun in a way that benefits somebody else and i just also like at the very beginning of the episode they're talking about like they're showing that you know superheroes in america thing and like like oh this isn't this is not reality tv trash like and it's like but it totally is Uh uh-huh exactly (laughs) it's pandering
1: yeah like the boys okay if we're gonna
0: get into like you know classically gendered like stereotypes and like the boys is like kind of like the tv show in general is like very like masculine and like superheroes and action stuff it's like if you had to pick like a feminine like comp for this show i feel like it would be like real housewives
1: Mm -hmm.
0: (laughs) because it's like oh this is like you know it's right there in the name right like real housewives Uh they're housewives (laughs) There's nothing real about, I mean, it's like everything is doctored. There's these dramatic storylines. It's all like an aspirational idea of what it means to be like a successful housewife and your family. Mm -hmm. And it's all very filtered. And that's exactly what they're doing here with like these commercials and everything. And the Deep's apology, like it's all very, and then like we see him spying on Maeve. And it's like, they're not above like getting that, you know. Listening into her conversation and filming her, like, like, oh no, you are reality TV trash. Like, you're no better than that.
1: (laughs) Exactly, and you can tell yourself you're not because your production, like, budget might be bigger, but that's really the only difference, you know. Yeah, some of your people can fly, but like,
0: I just, I just think it's just so smart and so funny how they're Mm -hmm. like openly playing with these ideas.
1: It's creating like this myth of what America is, too, you Mm -hmm. know, because that's like you know we don't have royalty um we have politicians and when your politicians fail you who are you looking for you're looking for like celebrity and mm-hmm. what makes someone like famous is their ability to be extraordinary so yeah it's it's just such smart satire that i just i love it um and we already mentioned the collateral damage survivors meeting but you have a fast x here and oh, i have just I seen a preview for fast x and i have got to watch these movies i've only seen the first one.
0: So. Oh my god they're the best i just i mean this collateral damage thing is just so funny because in so many like action movies or marvel or dc or superhero whatever even like sci-fi movies it's like these it's like there's just this giant elephant in the room that like never gets addressed it's like mm-hmm. the mass i mean it might be like casually offhand but like just the the massive casualties that have to happen all the time is intense and like what happens to all those people right and i think it's just funny because in like the new fast and furious jason momoa is going to play a character where from i think it's from fast five (laughs) so you have to go back a ways (laughs) but dom and his family and that whole crew of people killed somebody and now Jason Momoa who is the son of that person oh. is coming to get revenge and it's just like i mean it's insane and so silly and so stupid but also like amazing because it's like yes like that guy had a kid that guy, mm-hmm. that kid is going to be like dom is not going to be a hero to that kid that kid he killed his dad right and so it's just funny to see these things like pop up because so rarely do these kind of issues actually get addressed? So it's just it's great to see that actually popping up in the boys and like potentially where it's going to pop up in other ways. Like there are consequences to your actions. Like you're not yeah. just existing in this weird bubble where you can just haul a safe down the streets of Brazil or wherever they are and just demolish all these buildings and not have somebody get hurt. Like you right. can do that.
1: <laughs> well, and I'm thinking of another movie I watched. I don't know if you've seen Infinity Pool yet. Um, I haven't. And I'm not going to spoil it, although Alexander Skarsgård is beautiful. But like there's this element of where does it end because mm-hmm. if Jason Momoa gets revenge and he kills someone. Well, that person maybe has a son or maybe a brother or, you know, and it's just this never ending spiral of getting revenge. And the only way to really end that spiral is for someone to say, I don't need revenge or I don't, yeah. I, or I can let go of this rage, which is the purpose of this collateral damage survivors meeting. And really the purpose of all kind of self-help is like, there's only so much I can control. And at some point my emotions are the thing that matters the most that I control. Um, and just the fact that this, cause you get the feeling, this is just like an AA meeting kind yeah. of thing, you know, and those meetings are everywhere and so just how much collateral damage does this have to be that this is an organized thing now you know yeah Um, also just a shout out to self-help meetings or support group meetings because I've been to quite a few of them a a lot of different like there is more than just AA and Al-Anon like there's there's a lot of different ones so you know, check them out. You you might be pleasantly surprised, and most of them do not have someone like Butcher in them. So, <laughs> yeah, that's, so that's not something you're going to encounter very often. Um. Well, is there anything else we want to mention before we move into shock and awe?
0: Nope. I think we
1: think we I think got we it. Kind of hit it all. Yeah. Okay. So I didn't have a ton for shock and awe. Like we said, there's not really a whole lot. Um. That happens this is more like a feelings talking episode which and I don't say that in a in a dismissing way but let's see yeah, yeah just the, the, there weren't open. any like
0: big like revelations or anything but I will mm. like I was you know impressed and frustrated by how it was toying with my emotions <laughs> yeah it's just it's funny because it's like it's calling me out a little bit the show keeps calling me out on sort of these just behaviors and things and just, like, things I'm expecting that I'm not mm-hmm. even, like, really aware of. Like, I'm just, like, you know, kind of, like, predicting these plot points. Like, oh, this is how it's going to go. And then when it doesn't, it's like, oh, you're, like, you know, I didn't I didn't want Butcher to, like, be such a dick to Huey. Like, I don't like that. And same thing like, Madeline, no. And so I just, it's, I appreciate that about it because I feel like it's making me reassess some of these things and you know not in like crazy critical ways but it's just it's kind of fun having it play with my emotions and what I'm expecting to see out of these characters I like it
1: yeah yeah but like in an honest way too you know like it's playing with us but it's not lying to us you know like it's not giving us what we want it's not candy for dinner every day you know it's like this is this is real and that's what I think makes the show so good is that oh yeah It's it's very smart about it. Like it doesn't Mm -hmm. feel
0: forced or fake or, you know, cheap. It's just it's just enriching the story in these characters overall. So there's nothing that I'm like, oh God, like no, there's no way that would happen. You know, it's it's I don't think they're doing anything that's unbelievable for these characters. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. Well, and a lot of what we talked about, I'm really, um, I'm like biting my nails trying to not reveal any spoilers, but a lot of what we we've talked about, it's gonna, it's gonna keep going in a lot of really interesting ways. And I just, it's one thing I just really love about the show is its willingness to follow a thread, you know, and really make its point. Um, Yeah. All right. Well, let's choose our fighter. And this is where we pick our MVP of the episode and just a little bit about why. So, Rachel, who are you choosing?
0: I chose Huey for this one because I feel like he's in a tough, difficult spot, um, but he's navigating it as best as he can and is doing a pretty good job at staying true to himself Mm -hmm. and not letting people like butcher sway him or even robin and even starlight like he's being kind of critical about where what he's feeling and doing i think what he thinks is right and i just i find that very endearing and sweet and so kudos to you huey
1: (laughs) yeah yeah he and frenchie are very like winning me over by just really advocating for Kamiko and Annie. Like they're not bad people just because they have these abilities. So I think I love him. Yeah. I'm picking MM this week because I feel like, I don't know, he, this is, this is a really just a good showcase of why I love this character. Like he, and we've already talked about him quite a bit, but. Like also, you know, I have diagnosed OCD. And so when I see a character that really kind of s- feels authentic to that, I-, I just love it. And I just I love that he's a human being, but he mm-hmm. and he's just that line about like, I feel like I'm tripping all over words, but like that you get further with people when you treat them like people like that's just that's something I think we could all use a little bit more of. So 100%. Yeah, so he's mine. Plus, I feel like he is always, like, just kind of in the background, and he doesn't often get big moments, you know? And I love yeah. him having a couple of, of larger moments in this episode. Um, And also, I feel like he would really want Mesmer to be reunited with his daughter. Like, I feel like that makes him feel good that he's able to do that, aside from what it gets him, you know, tangibly. Yeah. Um, well, predictions. So I already said I've been sitting on my hands, spoiler wise. But Rachel, mm-hmm. what do you think is going to happen next, and what are you excited to see?
0: Oh man! So I am hoping and excited. I want to keep seeing Kimiko continuing to open up mm-hmm. and grow as a character. Like I was really excited to learn that little bit of backstory about her, and that has me really encouraged mm-hmm. about where that's going to go. Um, still dreading the unavoidable confrontation between Huey and Starlight. Regarding Translucent translucent, and the boys, it's inevitable. Even mm-hmm. um, Butcher says that, you know, like when she finds out because she's going mm-hmm. to. Um, Homelander's pissed. He knows who all they all are now, and that has me concerned. (laughs) Yep, and he
1: knows Huey. He recognizes Huey from knowing Starlight, too. Yep,
0: yeah. And Butcher, I think, like, maybe, well, I don't know if he does, but, like, when he was at, like, A-Train's, like, race, he saw him. Mm -hmm. So, like, maybe he recognizes him from there and realizes, Mm -hmm. like, oh, shit, these people have been around me this whole time. Mm -hmm. So he's, I don't think he likes that. So he's pissed, which makes me worried. That someone's gonna die. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's inevitable. And I'm just like, no, I don't know if it's gonna happen. I don't know who. I'm not ready to say goodbye yet. <laughs> um but yeah, the deep's gone. Translucent's gone. I mean, the deep's gone. I mean, he's in Ohio. It's not like, you know, gone, gone, but also yeah. he's gone for the moment. Um, so that's two soups down. And I guess I'm just curious if Black Noir is gonna enter the story more, if he's just gonna keep skulking in the shadows. I don't know. We're gonna see. <laughs>
1: yep well and what's interesting too is translucent's gone but we see from that ghost swing that they have not admitted that translucent is gone yet so
0: they're pretty lucky that out of all the superheroes the invisible one disappeared
1: i know <laughs> like that
0: i mean they have to be like count. you know like thanking their lucky stars because they can hide it so well like oh you just can't see it.
1: <laughs> exactly he's on a super secret mission but he just popped up here he just you know he's, yep. he's <laughs> just sitting on that swing naked Yep. um well let's wrap up with some plugs um <clears throat> and rachel you already plugged our socials but yes make sure to follow us at girls on the boys on twitter and instagram and we also have an email address girls on the boys at gmail.com if you want to email us about anything um but rachel where can we find you and what do you have coming up
0: yeah so you can find me on twitter at vinyl g-r-r-r-l and instagram at the vinyl girl Um, I've got some fun interviews dropping pretty soon but uh, easiest way to keep up on all of that and writing stuff would just be um, on socials because I'll make sure to share it all there so yeah lots of fun stuff
1: and you can find me at Jim too on Twitter and Instagram as well and um, yeah same also find us both on the Losers Club but yeah we pretty much just post everything we're doing so just follow (laughs) us Um. And so that's going to be it for this episode of the girls on the boys. We wanted to give a huge thank you to the anatomy of a screen pod squad for hosting us. Uh, make sure to check out the other fantastic shows in the feed. Um, hey, you has just started watching from, which I have heard is fantastic. And uh, bodies of horror, white ladies in crisis. We are covering the new fatal attraction series. Oh with- my God. You are. Mm-hmm. Joshua <laughs> Jackson. I know. I love him <laughs> so much. His hair is atrocious, but he's still <laughs> dreaming. me. there, there's some pretty good sex scenes in it too. Um, But yeah, so make sure to check out all of the offerings on the Anatomy of a Screen pod squad. And we will be back in two weeks to talk about episode seven, the Self-Preservation Society. And we are closing it down. I mean, we're getting near the end of season one. So the shit's going to start going down. I'm excited. Um, And until then, remember, you guys, you're the real heroes.